Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Denniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do. So we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. you to hit me as hard as you can i'm scared to close my eyes i see dead people i believe you have my papler now that i've met you would you object to never seeing me again this is not just a couch it's just our couch take the red pill and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes leave the light on after bedtime I always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. It has existed since prehistoric times. It was worshipped by primitive cultures. It can kill a man with one crushing bite. What was that? Whatever's out there, who shot with this, he's dead. No, no. How many deputies you got? A human toe. Is this the man who was killed? He seemed taller. Oh my god. Bill Pullman. Shoot him! No! How much of a wacko is this guy? Bridget Fonda. Mother! Oliver Platt. Maybe he swam back up! Maybe not. I just have this feeling everything's totally safe. This summer, the Earth's oldest creature has just found a new home. Lake Placid. Yeah, this actually was a total accident, but what we're going to be talking about as far as the day of this recording kind of aligns with uh, your plans for the evening as far as going out to the theater? I have exciting plans to, to go see Crawl. Uh, You're fi- not really selling bucks. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I Tuesday just thought, you know, I, like, like from what I've seen, you know, it's alligators and, you know, crazy in a hurricane. And, you know, that seems pretty, uh, uh, you know, fun. So, you know. I was trying to lead us into uh, Lake Placid, which mm-hmm. this uh, this is a first time watch for me. So I'm surprised was, by that. I'm very surprised. Really? What, by that. Why is that? It seems like it would be something up your alley. It's pretty, you know. It's this very basic, uh, you know, entertainment. I would think you, as a kid, you know, would have checked this out at some point. So what I remember of it was. Uh, didn't have any actors in it that I really cared for as a teenager, as far as a. Uh, 
particular star that uh, I, w- I would go see in almost anything. Uh, nothing against Bridget Fonda or Bill Pullman, uh, Oliver Platt here. You didn't you didn't have posters of Brendan Gleeson up in your bedroom? <laughs> no, I didn't know he was in this, but I, I did. Uh, once I actually got around to watching it in 2019, I, I enjoyed his uh, his character as the sheriff. Um, I do remember people kind of going nuts for Betty White, which I think that happens like was that like every five years, you know, the the internet will go crazy for something mildly humorous that she does. Well, well, okay. To give credit, this is like the start of of all that. You know, this okay, is like so the this first is the origin. time. This is the Batman Begins of Betty White this... uh, being what crass. The, being a little, ironic, little blue? ironic casting. Ironic casting okay. of Betty White as this woman who lives off this lake, older woman who lives alone and who let's just say has uses colorful language and uh, is involved in the plot in a way that you would not expect her to be. She's a little ambivalent about the goings ons, you know, everyone else is freaked out. Like, Hey, this is a, uh, a giant uh, crocodile. And uh, she, you know, doesn't seem to be too bothered by it or, you know, she's accepted that that's the, the way of things. And everyone else is just playing catch up to her. Um, I think all of that came later. So, you know, having seen this, I, I know I definitely understand more so probably why there was such a turnoff for me as a teenager. Uh, and I didn't go back and watch trailers. I don't know if you if you do that for this project. If you go back and see how things were marketed, but my memory of this was it looked in sports terminology like a tweener, where I'm like, wait, is that supposed to be funny? Is it supposed to be scary? Is it supposed to be an action movie? What is that? And as a 16-year-old, I was just like, well, I don't really know what they're selling me, so I'll just wait and catch on video, and then I never did. And I think part of it is the Betty White effect that um, I remember when it came to video, some people trying to talk me into seeing it, but I felt like they were giving away all the gags. So mm-hmm. uh, for for a comedy, I was just like, oh, okay, so that's what it, I understand what it is now, but now you've revealed to me all the funny bits, so I never was particularly bothered to uh, catch up with it until we, you know, did this podcast. So I think some of your criticisms there are fair. And, you know, some of some of what you're saying, though, is just wildly off base. Um, Here we go. The great defense of Lake Placid. (laughs) I just don't see I just don't see. Okay, I this is not a critics movie. Reading the critics reviews now, it's very it's it's very expected that they would not be in on on the joke of this Hmm. but i think today this stands out really nicely as a dumb fun uh action sci-fi movie that happens to have a really good cast and that's sort of that's what makes it unique it's sort of like it's sort of like the tremors 2 aftershock uh kind of thing but with a really strong cast and i think now the critics will be all over it i think they would go to bat i don't think so I don't really? think so. I, no. I think, look, in the age of uh, of Marvel and Disney, I think they would be pushing people to go see this type of entertainment. Um, you, you say that, that they haven't really made a great stand against uh, Disney at all. <laughs> well, not you know. I don't know in your neck of the woods, but uh, I read something like this July. There are six wide releases for the entire month of July, and that's like what? You know, what is there to choose from? Like, there's. <laughs> it's funny. I was working. Uh, uh, with a, a buddy of mine who's not a movie guy, so I, I you know, never talk movies with him. Mm-hmm. But he's aware just because, uh, you know, when he'll ask him, "What'd you do this weekend?" I'll say, "Well, I went to see this," and I, you know, I don't give him the the podcast speech, you know, the review, but I just let him know what my plans were, how I spent my time. 
and uh, he was saying that his wife, I guess they, because it is really hot right now, and uh, it's like, hey, let's go to the movies. Let's go, you know, if we're going to go out, let's go someplace air-conditioned and uh, spend some time together. And uh, I guess they looked at what was playing, and he goes, there's nothing playing. <laughs> there's nothing worth seeing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of where we find. So I disagree with you, Ben. I think if Lake Placid uh, was was playing uh, right now or was going up against Lion King or whatever else is coming in, I think the critics would feel like uh, it was their it's their like cause to champion. Whereas in 1999, uh, I think this probably was just pure dumb fun. There would be no need to to you know, come to its defense back then. In 1999, I could see people going into this with higher expectations than what it ultimately ends up being. And so the director here is Steve Miner, who is not too well known. Uh, like he's done a lot of TV work and everything, but he's all, he's probably most well known for the two Friday the 13th movies that he did. And uh, for uh, Halloween H2O, the year prior uh, to mm-hmm. this. And what's interesting is that both Lake Placid and Halloween H2O are two, two of the rare movies that I would say are way too short and that I, that I, you know, they totally could have added another 10 minutes to it uh, to make it more satisfying. I think today that would be a really, that would, that combined with the sort of average, like, like average uh, and, and, restrained use of special effects I think would hurt Lake Placid very much today as a theatrical uh, experience. Mm. I think people paying $15, $20 or whatever, there is this weird expectation uh, for grand visual spectacle, which Lake Placid doesn't, doesn't have a whole lot of, it has a few moments of that. And I think those moments work pretty well, but today, yeah, I think, and that's one of the reasons why I think comedies have died is that if you can't, exactly deliver on that expectation uh you know uh, v- visually that that all these you know that all these marvel movies are are giving people then people just don't go and so i don't think it, with the, i haven't seen sharknado but basically that would be the 21st uh, century version of this and i i i think people would be more content to watch this on sci-fi or or something like that which i think this moved on too right when there were like two or three more of these they went uh straight to tv like tv movie series of lake placid yeah i've never seen them but you know i i do have a i have i have like a weakness for dumb monster movies like this mm. uh i mentioned tremors 2 aftershock which is another underrated monster movie from around this time uh and that i believe was straight to video uh if i'm not if I'm uh, if I'm correct on that, I'm gonna uh, say probably. Do you do you, <laughs> yes. do you like this genre? That's the thing. That's the way no, have to establish. I, I mean, so why why? I, I I never had any sort of infatuation as a kid with like monster movies or monsters in general. Like I you know I I also don't. I tend to not like um, problems in movies uh, that don't really seem like that there's some way to solve it. <laughs> like in this in this instance uh i guess for the most part i i lean in the direction of like just let it be <laughs> let it have the lake stop trying to mess with this this thing whatever this this creature is and um that's maybe some of my issues with watching it as an adult i i 
you know, I, I didn't come out of this with a great podcast take. I didn't hate it, and I didn't love it. I was like, yeah, it was fine. You know, I, I didn't regret spending uh, 80 minutes with it. It was enjoyable, but uh, I probably would have, if people were really pushing me back in the day to watch it, I think I would have been far more negative uh, coming off that, like someone being insistent that I sit down and watch Lake Placid, as opposed to me just you know catching up with it two decades later. It's a good thing um, that we did not know each other at that, at that point in time. So. <laughs> but no, I mean, like, so... Yeah, I never had a thing for like uh, King Kong, uh, Godzilla. Any movies, any people. King Kong? Any of them? I don't. What? I, I have no infatuation with any large uh, monster. The closest thing to a monster movie you're gonna get me excited about. Uh, part of it's my childhood, and uh, part of it is you know it's Steven Spielberg would be like Jurassic Park. That that if you consider that a monster movie, I like dinosaurs. I like that particular film, but. Uh, no, just a, like a very strange, large version of an animal. Don't really, don't really get into it. Never did. Well, the movie's not for you, but uh, so <laughs> I said it was audience, fine. But for the Why audience, are you trying to take it away from me? <laughs> for the audience that they're going going for, I think this movie stands out in a very nice way. One of the things I really like about it, which I could see being really polarizing in 1999. Uh, are you know it's a lot of this really funny character humor that we get with Oliver Platt as this obnoxious narcissistic billionaire who is, you know who is overweight and yet feels compelled to make jokes at Brendan Gleeson's uh, expense, which I really mm-hmm. enjoyed. And you know, last year we had the Meg, and the Meg had a really smart casting choice where. Uh, Dwight Trout, the guy, Rain Wilson was playing mm-hmm. uh, a billionaire similar to Hector Sear here, uh, but they did nothing with that character. It was a really smart casting choice and then they did nothing with that character. So you look here and, you know, and yeah, and ironically, we have A-lister uh, David Kelly uh, writing the screenplay here, which is a which is a bit of an odd choice. Uh, you it's know, better than his uh, work on Big Little Lies. I don't know if you watched that. Oh, show, but Dennison, I like this a lot better. Come on, <laughs> I haven't Did caught you, up with season two. It's I don't god have awful. A, god awful. So well, uh, I, I say that as someone that yet, liked the first season. So. Well, I'm just I'm just you gonna go like ahead. The, and, uh, you didn't like the first season. You you told you told me you didn't like it. <laughs> it was it was okay. Well, okay in. Uh, <laughs> retrospect watch season two uh that uh nonsense uh, yeah i i swore it off like we got <laughs> my my poor beleaguered wife who enjoys that series we got to you know the credits on the finale and i said i hope they never make another episode of this again i will not watch it <laughs> just set the remote down i was just wanted that line in the sand so uh lake placid much better than that i'll grant it well that. Now, now you know how i felt at the end of game of thrones that's all i'm gonna say so Going back just, to the 90s, I'm just, I'm just trying 1999. To the HBO audience here. <laughs> well, it's not their fault. It's not their fault. And I'm not, I'm not blaming HBO, but I, we can't go off on that. We have to go back to the 90s, the 19, 1999, July something. Okay. David, a, David, David E. Kelly is like the TV writer of uh, this period he, he's got Allie McBeal and something else I'm sure uh, uh, the, the the practice uh, and so he's very he's a very odd choice as, as a screenwriter to write a monster movie and I think that's why we get all these uh, kind of belabored uh, character moments mm. that 
Yeah, sure. If this was if this was an A lister movie, if this was not a B grade monster movie, I would totally say, well, these scenes stand out in a you know uh, inappropriately. But because the movie knows what it is and it embraces that, the, those scenes work uh, pretty well, and I find a lot to enjoy about that. Like like a lot of these movies, they tend to function on the whole formula of. Every 15 minutes, the monster is going to appear and someone's going to get their head bitten off and it's going to be really gory and disgusting. Uh, similar to The Relic, which is a good good example of that. But there are a lot of other bad ones that fall into that formula and do nothing with it. And that's what Lake Placid could have been. But instead, we get all these characters who were not just waiting to see them die on screen in a, in a gory, violent way, we're, we're really kind of invested in what's going on. And, and yeah, this is a pretty dumb Maybe plot. But Oliver Platt might be the one you would be expecting or primed to have the film uh, kill off at some point because, as you said, he's so abrasive to the other characters. I don't think he's unlikable. I actually I liked him and Gleason uh, together a lot more than I did uh, Bridget Fonda and Bill Pullman. But, uh, well, they're, they're kind I of the bland couple. They're kind of, you know... Bridget Fonda is a, a manic pixie klutz here. That's that was my biggest issue right with her character. She's always falling down. She's always falling out of the boat. Uh, she's you know even on land she's like falling down. She's always uh, in in need of someone to tie her shoelaces for her or something. That's they uh, set that, that they set that up fine with the whole story that she you know she's been intentionally sent on you know this wild goose chase and is you know completely out of her element. So. She's I think incompetent to walk. She failed at being a toddler. <laughs> <laughs> that was my read on it. See, I think David e. David E. Kelly plays up this stuff because that's what he likes. He likes that back and forth between the masculine and the feminine characters and everything. And so, you know, I kind he, of I forgive the, that element of the movie. Do you know if he was was he like brought into this project? No or idea. Was this just because it it actually played to me like I my vision of it was he just felt like he wanted to do a big uh, crocodile movie. And he's like, Oh, I'm just going to write this for fun. Like, cause I can't imagine, like you said that there, someone is watching, uh, Ally McBeal and they're <laughs> like monster movie, this guy. So I just, I just assume this was like a, I don't want to call it a passion project, but just, you know, something that, uh, amused him because he's rich and he just wanted to try his hand at another genre. I imagine it was money. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, you don't be cynical about it. I mean, <laughs> the budget on this thing was not uh, insane. You know, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. So. And that that deserves that element of the movie deserves praise too. You know, we come to the summer of of 2019, 20 years later. How many goddamn movies do we have to have with 100 million plus budgets that uh, you know have no appeal whatsoever, and that the people working on them should have known better that they would have no appeal. Um, Jesus, I just want, I, I, I can't get the images of the cats trailer out of my head. Mm. Uh, and that like, you know, that's a good, that's another, that's a great example of that. It's just, you know, the, the ineptitude of, of Hollywood today is, you know, contrasting that with, with this film where they spent, you know, the exact right amount on it and they're able to, you know, I haven't seen the sequels, but I'm sure they're fine. Uh, <laughs> There's not, I mean, there's not really a huge bar set. <laughs> I would uh, say, I wonder if you're excited about uh, something like Joker 
that, that's coming out with Joaquin Phoenix, the Todd Phillips version of Joker, because that, just, just on what you said, I read something like a week or so ago where, uh, I guess his pitch to DC was like, Hey, you're, uh, you're getting your heads handed to you by Marvel because you're trying to ape, you know, their cinematic universe. Why don't you just spend a lot less because you know, X number of people are going to show up to see a Joker movie. So why not spend 30 to 50 million dollars on a Joker movie and don't have the expectation that it needs to, you know, be the number one film in China for that uh, quarter, you know, just, just uh, aim aim a bit smaller, and you know it's it's almost like you're in pure profit just by putting Joker on it. So then you know remove the stress from from releasing one of these four four quadrant type movies. Well, there's just one problem, Michael Dennison. Uh, here we go. Uh, Trying to, try to throw you a bone. <laughs> eleven years ago, we had a perfectly fine Joker. Uh, granted, you know he had his untimely death. You know was obviously mm. very tragic, uh, but uh, that that set the bar pretty high. We've all in between <laughs> 2019 and 2008, we've already had another different Joker <laughs> mm. that I guess people rejected. I didn't see Suicide Squad, That's so I don't bad. know. That's um, what I hear. I, so I just, uh, maybe maybe I, well, it's time to let you know. Like people have to nah. have time to to allow you know their their like their generation's version of that character to kind of you know have a rest before it can be reinvented again well i'm not getting into you know the uh the reboot uh syndrome i'm just saying you know that mid-tier uh 50 million dollar you know capped out uh big studio release uh i would like to see that make a comeback it doesn't necessarily have to be the joker every time but i thought that was a pretty you know that's where where's the the money ball men for uh hollywood accounting you know that's taken over baseball as far as like how to most efficiently they're, they're all they're all working at disney so <laughs> i didn't see <laughs> i don't think so they're they're not money ball at all they're the they're the yankees they're like can we buy up as many players as possible if we have more players on the field is that allowed Thankfully you, not. You, yeah, but you, no, you have to give you have to give them credit. Uh, and I'm not. So look, it's awful. It's really awful, uh, business wise, what has happened. But they wouldn't be doing what they what they what they're doing if people weren't paying money to see all of their properties. And I can't begrudge them for making smart business choices. You know, to that that are paying off. You know, if they if they had what was that movie they had that bombed? They had something that bombed recently. Oh, recently? I, I don't know. I mean, like... Dumbo. Like John Dumbo. Co- Dumbo. Dumbo, yeah. So if they made Dumbo after Dumbo after Dumbo, then obviously then obviously they would be in the same position as Paramount. But they're not because they're making... They're smarter than that. And so you had to give them some credit. I don't give them any credit whatsoever. <laughs> but you said... Like, like, well, well, okay, okay, but okay. I know this is going off on a tangent. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. For every because, for the look, fifteen honest, people listening to this, I'm sorry. There's not that much to talk about. With there isn't. Classic. There isn't. I enjoyed it. You didn't. <laughs> uh, so we might as well go go nuts and like. But so okay. Did you see Spider Man uh, Far From Homecoming? Whatever. Yeah, it was pretty forgettable. I like Jake Gyllenhaal. That's so okay. <laughs> you, you, I'm not singling you out. <laughs> I mean, I would be one of many if you're doing that. Sure, but to rail against Disney and then go out and see their movies, especially because on some level you probably knew it wasn't going to be that good. It's, I like the other know. one. The previous one was good. Why would I not like this one? I also saw the uh, the art of self defense as well. I mean, you know, come on now, give me some. What basically good, good for if you. they will. Well, here's my thing. I, I don't give Disney credit because they don't really have competition at this point. 
And that, mm-hmm. that was my point by bringing up the Joker. Like, stop trying to ape what they're doing. They're just the richest kid on the block. I don't give the richest kid on the block uh, kudos for having a better car than me when I'm 16 years old. But I'm like, not going to hate the richest kid on the block, you know, the Tracy Flick of this scenario, um, you know, the overachiever, the one that's getting everything right and all that. I'm not just going to hate them for being that person. Because when no, you, but they still have to make good as, Now, so our, I, ironically, I've been listening to our, our year and a half old conversation uh, about the post uh, earlier today. Purely where, put where, up where, just to promote this yeah, podcast. <laughs> where we talked a lot about Richard Nixon and, you know, yeah. the great Richard Nixon quote during his, uh, you know, um, resignation speech is that if you hate the people who hate you, then you destroy yourself. And I think that's a very, you know, there are lessons to be learned in every failure, even from people like Richard Nixon, which I know you probably think I'm wrong on that. Uh, you know, and that there is a lesson there. It isn't what Disney is doing to be profitable. It's what everyone else is doing, uh, it could be doing to, to, you know, to have a better product that they're not doing. Like Joker. That was, that's my initial point, Ben. I'm like, just, just <laughs> zag. Do something else. You know, provide, provide something that Disney can't. Disney, you know, has a certain uh, label that they're after. You know, there's a certain uh, marketing prowess they have being the Disney brand. So that limits them. So do what they cannot and just give me different offerings. Like to to steer it back a little bit to Lake Placid, give give me your Lake Placid if you have one. Give me something else. Don't just, (laughs) you know, I, I started this by saying there's nothing playing. There's six wide releases this month in a prime summer month. What are you doing? You're just basically conceding, like, well, the Lion King comes out, so and Spider Man at the beginning of the month, so I guess we'll just leave and just hide out until that's over with. I don't understand it. There's there's plenty, you know, there's plenty of business out there to be be had, and you would think they would go the opposite route. Everybody's wanting their own streaming service. You would think they would be just throwing tons of, you know, go with the Netflix model and just spend and spend and spend on. <laughs> you know, quantity over quality if you have to. But instead, you know, they're they're tinkering away trying to figure out how to be Disney. Disney doesn't release that much content. That's the thing. That's another reason I don't I don't really care for them as a movie consumer because they're not giving me what I want. They don't I, they I don't release a lot product. of content directly. But right. they obviously have subsidiaries and, and subsidiaries oh, well, those, and those subsidiaries. Will be shut down. Uh <laughs> you know. So. Other than X Men and uh aliens and whatever else they can uh, mine out of uh, 20th Century Fox. I'm sure most of those projects are going away. Anything that's uh, adult-oriented th- content. This podcast gone. is probably owned by Disney somehow. I, I uh, bet you. <laughs> I mean, you know, I I would be far happier to have a little, you know, a little uh, coin in my pocket for for a podcast of all things. But no, not not yet. Um, yeah, this is uh this has gone it's gone dark. But, yeah, uh, but- I, I don't think it'll stay that way. You know, you brought up Dumbo. Uh, one thing I, I hold against Disney is, uh, you know, they, that's was that Lion King is now their third uh, remake of one of their animated films. I mean, they're you know they're they're going pretty fast for that, and I do think eventually they people will tire of that stuff. I don't necessarily know if they'll tire of the Marvel things, but um, you know there there will be a certain point where it will not be a billion dollars. Just you know, just go ahead and take it to the bank every time out. So. Uh, yeah, people I, will want other things. I've been saying it for forever, but maybe I'm finally right now. Um, but now that, but now, yeah, now that Robert Downey Jr. has moved on, you know, from that role, you know, there's got to be some shelf life there to that that's going to expire soon. Like a kid, like 
you know, it's hard to imagine that, uh, you know, people, and, you know, it, people are less positive on, I think, uh, Captain Marvel and, and some of the other newer ones than, than you'd think they would be. Even, even Spider-Man Far From Home, you know, there has been a weird division that's developed where, where people feel a, a certain loyalty to, to, <laughs> uh previous spider-mans and everything uh and that can't be good uh for their business and uh yeah i don't know well, we'll I, mean, I mean how many we talked about the simpsons right in our south park episode uh handful of episodes back you know i mean yeah you can stick around forever but that that passion eventually has to die out you're maybe you still are running a pretty profitable little marvel empire over there but uh yeah the original cast you know it's gonna fade off and uh I still hold that, you know, Captain Marvel released on its own, you know, I don't think there's too much excitement for it, but it, it was definitely the like, oh, this is the one you need to see before Thanos arrives again. Like this is, you know, the next to last chapter of this, this book. So, uh, you, yeah, you can't constantly have people amped up for, uh, you know, a season finale if you want to treat the Marvel movies like a, a television series. So it'll ebb and flow. And, um, I think stuff like Lake Placid, um, you know, I, I don't think this has really been conceded to like a streamer yet either. Like, I don't think Netflix is making this this type of material. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I still think there's a place in the market for this stuff. But I it's pretty much sci-fi, <laughs> sci-fi. I would say sci-fi channel has taken over these kind of properties. Well, God, I mean, let's not go there because I didn't even know the sci-fi channel still existed. <laughs> Cable still <laughs> exists. <laughs> <laughs> I'm aware of Big Little Lies, but you know, I guess that's the the premium uh, event television. Um, I don't know. Like, I I think that this is one that when I came into this conversation, I thought I thought I was going to read up on how this was some sort of like uh, cult classic phenom, and I was actually surprised that how negative the reviews were. And I, I I guess I just always had it stuck in my head that this was like you know some version of like office space where this was like a much beloved film, but I wasn't really seeing that. It has my, a bit uh, of a following. It has a bit of a following. I think there are, there are, I mean, you know, I think there are a few fans out there and everything. It's not a very ambitious movie. It, it's very direct and to the point and short and brisk. And the moments of excitement that it does have are very, very nicely punctuated uh, and everything. And that's what, that's what I appreciate about it. Watching it today. This is a perfect, to me, it's a perfect midnight movie. This is a movie you could put on at midnight and it would hold your attention and, uh, be over, uh, you know, before you fall asleep. So what I watched it recently, like I, I would say go with the green room. That's, that's the type of movie. I oh like. God. Uh, talk about cure go. for insomnia. Like, geez. <laughs> it's strange to me like the, the stuff like lake placid you give a complete pass but green room oh that's that's uh, so boring so boring their aims uh, are completely different so you know, I don't you know. Think, see i don't think so i feel like they i would put them on the same shelf i would be like okay they're supposed to be like you know kind of like here's here's the problem you know here's the, the boogeyman and you know how do we how do we get out of it how do we how do we solve this situation and i mean the one thing i guess i hold against the characters as i said earlier with like classes they keep coming back to a place they don't necessarily have to come back to and they keep sort of you know as most monster movies do they keep like sort of poking it with a stick until it tries <laughs> to eat them and at least in green room i understand they're, they're trapped in that room and they just went out they just want to go home if green room's aim was to, was to be entertaining at all they it was a, they massively failed uh, I think so, you would be considered wrong on that. I think, you know, our, to our 15 listeners, well, you know, give, well, give a mention here. To be fair, Green Room did 2 million at the box office. 
Uh, Lake Placid did what? About 50 in 1999 uh, dollars. And so How I think many that's theaters did Green itself. Room even hit? Uh, it hit over 500, so it was given a fair shake. So <laughs> I don't... That is, <laughs> like 500 theaters in, uh, what was that, 2016 or 17? I, I don't Around think so. Around that point, you know. Yeah, it's uh, like that's, a, a, the, that's, considered a, that's considered, you know, a legitimate, you know, wide release or whatever. I don't think it's so. It's not like a, there, there's it. like different brackets for it, but above 600 is considered, you know. Are you a, one of those people that gets into the, uh, like the box office records? Like, you know, yeah, a bit, a on. bit, but you know, don't tell uh, me you're like one of those gone with the wind champions. Where well, like yeah, of course. Gone with the wind, gone with the wind made like $1.8 billion in today's money in, in 1939. I, 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 you know, I don't see that as a small accomplishment. I don't find it like I find it impressive for its time. I don't find it like impressive now. Oh, it's a great what, what movie. Was the, what were the I mean, what were the alternatives? <laughs> were you, I, I just watched Grapes of Wrath recently. People were going to like oh, yeah. eat rocks or something, or they were going to go watch Gone with the Wind for the seventeenth time. There weren't many options back then. That's not fair. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I think Gone with the Wind is is, is pretty terrific. Uh, Look, it, people always bring up people always bring up you know the obvious uh, racial stereotypes and everything, and yeah, those are of their time. But it's important to acknowledge that the that the the movie Gone with the Wind is less racist than the book Gone with the Wind. I, I guess that I, seems like a small thing, but to me, never you seen know. it. You never long. you've never seen Gone with the Wind. Too long. Oh Too long. my god. I mean, it also what you know does it seem like something that would appeal to me? No, not really. No, so but you, you come on, it's important, obviously. I mean, would you say that, you know, 50 years from now that someone needs to watch Avatar because it's important? I don't think so. Sure. I think they could sure. skip it. it no. Avatar, Avatar. If if they really want to study film and everything, Avatar ushered in that whole second wave of 3D. So, Which yeah. lasted two years. Know. I don't think it's as, I don't think it's nearly as important as Gone with the Wind, but, you know. They're bad. You know, Avatar is bad. So, and I, why quite, waste your that's, time? That's quite quite a quite analysis. Quite an analysis. There, <laughs> well, I mean, we can talk around the, the fact that it brought in 3D for six months that failed. But you know what? Not is that really months, that impressive? Not six months. It's still kind of. It's still pretty. Like there's still some 3D going on. It's it's obviously starting to taper off now. But can't buy a know. 3D television. It failed. I guess so. Okay. I don't know. I don't <laughs> But it, but the, these things come in cycles. Someone will else will like twenty years from now will come up with another innovation, and then three D will be back. And these things go back and forth and back and forth. Uh, you know, some of like three D prints of of movies from the nineteen fifties and everything, like Dial M for Murder, those go for for quite uh, a lot of money uh, now. And so it's I don't know, it's not something to scoff at, really. I I just want them to uh, you know just make uh decent movies and stop trying to stop trying to make it like i'm going to a theme park if i'm going to the movie mm-hmm, theater mm-hmm. that's i and mean that, that's not just an attack on 3d that's just everything that they're trying desperately to get you involved with when you're there but but it, it's the consumer's fault it, like 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 no one asked we, me ben how's it my fault they but but they they i mean it's all tailored around what people pay to go see and so that's really where that's really where the conversation, ha, you know, has been derailed. Is everyone go, is everyone kind of like just shaking their fists at the air and saying, "Why don't they make better movies?" And, well, why don't you go see better movies? I think you brought up a good point with the uh, green room, five hundred screens. That means like in my like in my town, it played for like a week. 
But Green Room, Green Room was never. Green Room is an art house movie. Even as a thriller, it's an art house thriller. It was. I can't wait till we get to uh, Fight Club. That was like, what was the budget on that? Like sixty million dollars mm-hmm. for, for that. Like for that, which is, <laughs> you know, Fight Club is far, far less. I think generally appealing than Green Room. Like you can pitch Green Room quickly to people. Like if Green Room was just on Netflix, or let's just say it was, uh, you know, like a an HBO you know, miniseries or something like Chernobyl where it's like, hey, we've got this Nazi show. We're going to show you this underground environment. I think that that's easier for people to get into than something like fight club, which I mean, yes, it was like a uh, box office disaster initially, but it's still amazing to me that that, you know, that was <laughs> ever greenlit at that price. And then green book. Now there's like no way, no, how can we release this to mainstream audiences or give them a chance to go see it? Yeah. I don't, I don't see green room having, uh, becoming a cult classic like, like fight club. So there's your green room discussion, Dennison. <laughs> I think we talked about that in Marvel more than we did Lake Placid. I know. I think we always spent about 15% of this podcast talking about Lake Placid, which I enjoy. Just want to say it again, but you know, on the, on the upside, on the upside, uh, this is our first completely spoiler free, uh, episode, I think. Well, the, the way to do that is you just avoid talking about the movie yep. entirely. <laughs> All right. What uh, what is next? What's the next movie we're not well, talking about? Well, you know, about? let's see. Euphem- euphemism for uh, a male's sexual organ. <laughs> okay. I don't think uh, Pecker. Is that the John Waters movie? I don't think that came out this year. No. And I'm pretty sure it didn't make the list. Uh, get another, another hint. Well, it's not the only euphemism for a male sexual organ that we'll be talking about on this podcast, but it's the first one. And I think I should just give it to you. Uh, so it's called. Why, why do you never go with actors? That's what I don't understand. All right, uh, Benny from Rent. Oh, Tay Diggs. Yep. Um. Okay. So I. <laughs> You're. I'll you admit, have to be pretending to not know this at this point. I, well, I was about to say I admit because I know we're prepared to like record on it. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, uh, dear listener. Here's what I would initially think, and I would get these two confused. I had to check multiple times on our list before I watched this to make sure if I was watching the correct film, which is The Wood, or if it was The Best Man, because it's Tay Diggs involved in a possible you know wedding scenario that's sort of up in the air, and uh, I always got those two films uh, mixed up, even though uh, I had never seen The Wood, so I, I should just go with that one, because this is a first-time watch for me coming up on the next episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm not touching that comment with a 10-foot pole, so... What, what's wrong with confusing, you know, the, the wood... He's in, like, a tux in both those films. What's wrong with that? Uh, I don't, there's got to be something wrong with it, I'm, I'm sure, so... Well, we'll get into that on the next episode, then. We'll, we'll court controversy again, because we had nothing to say about Lake Placid, which was fine. It was a fine film. And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, feel free to do so on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at 99from99. 99 99.